episode 24 of the Cozy Corner of Cinema. Man, I tell you, I've been so addicted to these bubbly, sparkling water cans lately. You know, I'm trying to cut back a bit on some of the caffeine that I take in with a lot of the cola that I've been drinking. And I love cola, man. Definitely love it. But, um, you know, I was drinking a lot of it. And uh, through some circumstances, I came across this. Um, and, man, I just love these seltzer waters, man. They're absolutely, you know, delicious as hell, man. Keeps you hydrated. Got a little bit of taste to it. Man, I, I can't get enough of these things. All right, man. Here we are back again. I hope you guys all enjoyed last week's episode. I think what I'm going to start doing from here on out is uh, do a monthly kind of Blu-ray talk of the new releases coming out because um, I, I really enjoyed doing that episode. But man, I, I tell you, just seeing that clock wind down and seeing the titles that I wanted to bring up or talk about, there, there were some I had to skim over just for the sake of time. And it's just uh, unfortunate, man. I don't want to have to skim through some possible titles that are worth um, uh, mentioning. So I think that'll be a new monthly thing to do. But with that said, I hope you guys have enjoyed that episode for sure. Uh, and I'll try to uh, get in some of the international titles as well, because that list I was looking at on Blu-ray.com was only domestic titles. And um, there's some real cool uh, 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 international titles coming soon. I had mentioned the Watership Down 4K coming from the BFI and Nil by Mouth coming from the BFI as well. So I'll uh, make a point next month to bring up some of those that uh, may not be on your radar if you're just looking at Blu-ray.com. So, all right, man. Uh, gosh, the, uh, I won't get too into it, but the uh, last week I uh, went to the cinema and uh, to go see Jaws, man. And uh, it was in 3D, unfortunately. I'm, I really am not a 3D guy. Uh, and I hadn't seen a 3D movie theatrically in, gosh, I could not tell you the last, I mean, what was the last 3D movie I saw? I think it may have been like, geez Louise, I mean, it may have been Avatar in 2009, man. It's been a long freaking time. Or you know what? No, maybe it was, um, may have been Final Destination 5. I don't remember what year that came out. I think maybe 2012 or something. Um, let me take a look at that. Uh, which it isn't new. Oh, 2011. So. That may have been the last time I saw it, and, and uh, that kind of 3D, I think, is a lot of fun. But um, and I, I guess there's a new Final Destination coming from HBO, I believe. Uh, I can't wait for that, man. I love those films. But uh, yeah, I mean, I saw it in 3D, and oh my gosh, man, what a! <laughs> I remember why I hate 3D, man. I I uh, I, I watched the film, and uh, you know, to the credit, it actually, it, I, I feel a little. Um, I got mixed feelings on older films being post converted to 3D that that uh, were not intended to do so. Um, like Dawn of the Dead is playing at Regal Cinemas on Halloween weekend or the three days to Halloween in 3D and that just sounds like a nightmare um, but it did when I, when I was watching the film man um, gosh I mean you know it, it looks like they definitely went through the film and specifically made certain objects and certain things in the foreground and background show their distance with the 3D but um, to me, it was a very distracting experience, um, and it made me aware. I had trouble getting immersed into the great film, and Jaws is a great film. I don't think I need to really go too in-depth on it. It, it set a landmark for um, uh, blockbusters, for summer films, for horror films. I mean, 
geez, I, to be fair, I'm, I think I'm more interested in the Jaws ripoffs that came. A lot of the blatant ripoffs, a lot of the um, animal, the, the aquatic water animals, you know, stuff like orca and piranha and stuff. Uh, as well as the big blatant ripoffs like Cruel Jaws, The Last uh, Shark, Deep Blood. Anyways, my point is that it's a terrific film, but I'm sitting there in the cinema... And I feel, I just, I'm like, man, I cannot focus on this film. This, this freaking, especially the sequences later on when they're, when, um, you have, uh, 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 Richard Dreyfuss' character going underwater, which is a really solid sequence, but I'm just like, I can't see anything. And so what happened was, so the movie's over and I leave directly to go up to the parking lot and I just get a ray of sunshine and it, it looks like someone, it felt like someone gave me two shots of whiskey and then slapped me across the face. I was just like, oh geez Louise, man, what is happening? So I go across town, I say across town, it's really about five minutes down the road, but I go to a different cinema because I have to go catch another film. And I, my intention was to go back to the multiplex because I saw Jaws at a multiplex, man. It was in a mall. So it was a big, you know, cinema and stuff. And I intend to go back there to go see a couple other films because this was on the cinema day. And uh, ironically enough, I was going that day anyways, but the $3 tickets sort of um, uh, sweetened the deal. But I'm watching the second film, uh, watching the film Free Chol Su Lee, I think it, his name was, which is uh, a very good documentary, I got to say. I think it's going to be a, a movie distributed it. So if you have a movie, it'll be on there later this year, I believe. Um it may even be on there now. I have no idea. Uh, but uh, I'm sorry, Freak Troll Su Lee, uh, which um, really good documentary. But halfway through the film, I, I felt truly felt so nauseated and I felt so like I was going to fall out of my seat. Except it was like uh, that the, the 3D just completely messed with me, my head that day. And I almost had to step out of the cinema for a bit. But I was just like, man, maybe, you know, I had only eaten a little bit that day. So I'm like, man, maybe I'm just hungry. Let me get some food after. And dude, I tell you, I, I go I go across the street to eat, and oh my gosh, man, the the true dizziness and the true nightmare. Just you know, I'm eating the food, I'm drinking the water, man. I'm just I'm just like down in water trying to hydrate myself. I'm I'm just eating. I'm just like shoveling down this food, man. I feel so awful, and I'm noticing all of the of my surroundings, the TV playing, playing football, um, uh, the chattering around me, the, uh, oh my gosh, man, every chair that was squeaking out, it was like, it was like a horror film, man. And, and I, uh, I had to just go out to my car. I had to sit in my car for about a half hour. Cause I'm just like, man, I don't know if I can even drive right now. And, and thankfully it went down. Um, and I was able to drive home successfully without any issue. But later that night, I just, I had, to, I went to bed at like, pretty dang early and i'm just like man this is why i do not like 3d at all man even in imac oh you know what my last 3d film i just remembered it it was ghost in the shell in imax 3d when that came out what was that 2014 which is weird it never bothered me then man i just when i saw that in imax i was like oh that's cool you know um but i think that was in 3d to my knowledge yeah, pretty sure it was. Um, but man, I tell you, so I don't know what it was that day, man. But geez, Louise, never again. Um, but I mean, I'd love to see Dawn of the Dead theatrically, but there's no chance I'll be going to that um, in 3D. Not not a chance in hell, man. Freaking gosh, man. But Jaws is still great, man. It still holds up. I don't. Uh, I'm not gonna get into it. But yeah, terrific film, man. Minor. I, I think my only real issue is probably some pacing issues. But other than that, man, it's just it's a uh, I don't think I need to even talk about it, man. So, 
that was my nightmarish experience seeing Jaws in 3D, man. It was like, oh my gosh. But uh, uh, speaking of uh, craziness, I don't even know if I'm going to get to all these today because I have some stuff I want to talk about, but I'm going to try to get to my the ones I want to talk about the most. But geez Louise, man. Um, two, fil- two films I want to mention. Two adult films. One hardcore, one is kind of softcore, I suppose. Um, which You know what? I'll talk about trying to think i guess i know i'll talk about this one first because i happen to have the uh thing up right here so from 1970 uh what year is it i just i just had it okay not 70 82 i'm a dummy uh the taming of rebecca directed by phil prince uh phil prince was a pretty notorious uh, kind of roughy filmmaker and these these roughy kind of films were were hardcore adult films that were a bit more aggressive usually had some violence and uh, aggressive very uh, uh, ugly sort of sequences in the film and the taming of rebecca man this is a wild film man this is I, I don't you know but i really really like this film i don't know what that says about me maybe something not good but no i'm only kidding around but no i thought this was a terrific film man this was one that i always heard brought up and in terms of a lot of the big roughies films like fourth century and other like that actually one i just watched recently what was it winter heat i think or winter something with um jamie gillis in the film i like that quite a bit that was on a picarama dvd from uh vinegar syndrome and you probably heard that that was my uh, thing in the background trying to find the name of it it was um winter heat from 76 man cool film but this film i thought was totally insane man you have sharon mitchell in the film plays rebecca and she goes off to this uh, this school for girls, even though there were a bunch of guys there. Uh, I don't really know how that works. But uh, after she's uh, uh, aggressively, like, you know, violated by her dad, played by David Christopher, she goes to this school for refuge. And and she goes there, and it's just, it's just not any better, man. They're, they're abusing her there. They're assaulting her. It's just uh, these long sequences, man. But really, it's just... Man, what a cool film this was. This is totally, uh, it, it, it is not afraid to really just have some real uh, uh, ugly sequences, real ugly dialogue too, in part because, uh, you know, that sequence with, with um, Rebecca's dad and her, man, uh, David Christopher, it was like, man, part of me was, was kind of laughing at some of this dialogue because it felt very improvised. It felt like just every mean thing he could possibly think of. And it's totally mean-spirited in a way that it's, it, it stops become You don't really take it seriously after a certain point. It starts to become humorous because he is totally just playing and completely wild. And um, I was kind of laughing because I don't know how old Rebecca's supposed to be in this film. Uh, what was that film I, I saw it a while ago? It was um, Little Sisters, where they're all supposed to be like kids, but which is a little strange in and of itself, but they're all like 30. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um but she walks into this room, man, wearing this really, like, this lingerie outfit. I'm like, that's not, I don't know what kind of, I don't know why you, I don't know what the hell you're wearing that for. And the and the dad is like, yeah, I like seeing you like that. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, but it's a wild sequence, man. It goes on. And um, from there, you get these just really gnarly sequences, including some a real uncomfortable sequence with a pin. And I'll leave it at that, man. I think that might be one of the most notable sequences in the film. But, it's you know, I watched that sequence. I keep saying sequence. I apologize. And I'm just like, geez, Louise, man. It's actually kind of making me cringe a little bit. But um, 
It's a, it's a cool film, man. It's a film that uh, actually goes by at a pretty good pace. There's not a lot of sets in this film. It's mostly just like one or two rooms. But I really like how the end of the film has this real cool underground sort of look to it. I mean, it's really just one, a couple of flat shots. It's not like a whole, uh, a whole set, but I really like the look of it. Um, this was one that uh, I think these roughy kind of films are a bit more interesting, um, but mostly because if they have uh, something closer to a horror film element where you have this idea of just these really mean-spirited characters doing mean things to each other, um, in a way that I guess, you know, you could watch it, maybe see, maybe some people getting the wrong idea from a lot of this, but I think mostly just because, mostly because this is just this, this kind of film. I, I don't think, I mean, you can look deeper into it if you really want to, but I think you'd be kind of missing some of the, I mean, I look at some of these films and I'm not, I, I really just kind of see it as like a marketing sort of purpose to, to appeal to a different kind of audience. Um, there's a, uh, an episode of the Rialto Report, a show, a show that I'd mentioned before online that kind of goes over some of the Avon films, and I think has an interview with Phil Prince, who's pretty notorious, along with lead actor, I don't know if he's interviewed or not, but the lead actor, George Payne in this, who plays the Dean, um, he, he, I think he was in a lot of uh, Phil Prince's films, but um, really liked this one, man, I'd love to see this get a release, because I had to watch this online in a pretty crappy... Um, it looked like a VHS transfer from a VHS transfer. It was very low quality, but, I mean, you can only do so much with these. Uh, you could definitely tell it some of the audio issues, though, where there were times where you could... The audio didn't sound too bad, and other times you could, reheal it. You could hear an echo in the room where it just sounded like there were that... Uh, uh, it just sounded like... There was some dialogue that, that missed me that I didn't quite understand because of the... But it also could have been the transfer as well. I mean, I'm watching this online that was ripped from... looked like a couple different VHSs. But uh, if if the, you think these are going to be your kind of films, man, I mean, uh, don't look at these films with any kind of... Uh, don't hold them for one by today's standards because you're gonna be you're gonna be upset and two you know don't don't think too hard about maybe the the background of this I mean these are just adult films they're, I don't I don't really see any sort of uh, anything too serious about some of these they're very just uh, I mean that's that's a whole conversation right there I, I would say just don't take these too seriously I mean it, it, they they ride that line between being hokey and being and being dark but in but in a way that I don't mean to be insulting I just mean that because everyone is playing it so big that I didn't take this too seriously. Um, There's also a very uncomfortable sequence with uh, uh, somebody laying back, a uh, girl girling back, and and something. Well, I guess you'll have to see the film for yourself to, to see what I'm talking about. But, man, you can find this online pretty easily. I don't know if there's a DVD of this or, or anything like that. I'd love to get a Blu-ray of this at some point because um, uh, Sharon Mitchell's still out there. I mean, she's still doing interviews and stuff, and I'd love to get a new interview with her on this. I watched a video of her at Cinema Wasteland from 2012, and um, she had some very interesting points in that. Um, and I guess she was in I, I, she was in New York Ninja, the, the Vinegar Syndrome film that they saved. Um, it's just this woman on train, so I don't even I – don't, I mean, I guess that could – if I was looking for her, it'd be one thing, but, um, I don't know if they just happened to catch her in the, when they were filming the film, you know, back in, uh, whenever it came on 80, um, 84, I guess. Um, but either way, Taming Rebecca, real cool film, man. Really dug this one. Um, another film I guess I'll go into that I have time for is the, is a, just a real crazy film from, uh, guy I've mentioned before, just mentioned last week or two weeks ago. I'm sorry. Uh, Russ Meyer, man. So last time or two times ago, I talked about Super Vixens, which was just a, you know, a pretty good film, but then you had these wild sequences of just uh, craziness of characters, man. His next film, oh my gosh, man. It might have been, I think it might have been even crazier than Super Vixens, and that's seeing something now. I think I like Super Vixens. 
You know, actually, I don't know if I like super freaking chair man i don't know if i like super vixens more or not now i think about it i i put it low i put this film lower than that but i don't know man i'm thinking about this film a lot uh this is a crazy film man it's from 1976 it's called up with an exclamation point and uh gosh man i was i didn't even <laughs> i did not know what to make of this film right after i watched it because you watch it at first and you have this so you have this part early on, this guy who, I don't know if it's supposed to be Hitler or a guy who looked like Hitler or not, but he's in this like whipping session, this like S&M session, and it goes on for a while. And, and he's speaking German and there's no subtitles. And I was thinking, well, I mean, there's an opening kind of uh, prologue. We have a, a chick kind of um, talking about some stuff and, and then uh, he was speaking German. So I was just like, is this supposed to be subtitled or what's going on here, man? Uh, you know, I don't want to miss any, any dialogue. But um, it goes on for at least 10 minutes or so, or maybe not that long, but it goes on for a long time. And then it's, you get a lot of, um, a lot of softcore sequences, uh, like a bunch of sequences in the water. And, uh, but th then there's some questionable stuff throughout. You have this like, kind of crazy looking guy who's really aggressive towards women. So, you know, I I'm watching it getting a little disinterested. I'm just thinking like, you're following up Super Vixens with this and I don't think this is a very good um, follow up. But then you get to the third act of the film and actually the film goes completely off the rails in a way where uh, there's a, uh, like, a, like a light switch practically where there there's that guy from earlier who's acting really wild he starts to assault a woman and then there's a whole violent uh <laughs> fight in it with this other guy that comes in and it becomes totally insane there's they're 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 um swinging axes at each other there's a there's a chase sequence in the woods with a chainsaw and you're just going like man what what am i watching man did i enter a different film and the 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 entire last act is it's just like it feels like a fever dream man i'm watching it and i'm just like i don't i don't even know what's going on but geez louise man am i entertained uh, it seems to be a pattern where, you know i think i'm talking about the holder a little while ago where i'm going man i don't know what is going on but geez louise man you're, you're keeping my interest and it just goes on and on for about 20 30 minutes um then there's there's i don't want to give away the entire thing unless you want unless you want to watch the film in case you want to watch the film but then you have these naked women running around and and the way that sequence ends they're chasing each other well one's chasing the other to kill her but then the way that ends you just go you just makes you scratch your head and there's some monologues or about Nazis or something where you're like, what are these people talking about, man? You know, we're, we're, what was going on with this? And uh, I think what's, what's so interesting about Russ Meyer's later career is that his earlier work, I don't find all too terribly interesting other than, you know, just being right place, right time, you know, with a lot of the nudie films that were coming out. Uh, his first film uh, is pretty good. I like, I think it's um, The Immoral Mr. Tease. I mean, it makes the name a bit, but there's the other name that I know it by that I, I can't remember it. But then a lot of the films he did after heavenly bodies and even the handyman i'm just like i don't these are not very interesting and i think there was that turning point probably around the time of even before faster pussycat there was um i mean not not even necessarily mud honey because i don't think that's as wild as some of his other stuff but i would say look at here maybe i don't know maybe finders keepers love oh no wait faster pussycat was after that so maybe it was faster pussycat when things started to change 
I mean, I guess you could say Motorcycle as well. That was a couple years earlier, but I don't think that's as memorable. So I guess, yeah, I guess you could look at Faster Pussycat as kind of the turning point because then after that, it, you got really interesting stuff because even Finder's Keeper, it's like I'm not totally in love with, but I think has some real... It's another one of those films, man, that has like just these crazy violent sequences and the way that Russ Meyer does violence is so interesting because he has these characters which are so aggressive and are so insane. I mean, that sequence in Super Vixens, I mean, the guy is just jumping up and down on the tub just crushing the woman to death and it is i mean it is going for it man you don't see anything you don't see him just like foot like stomping her but you can see the outline you can see like him jumping in the tub and it's just like i you really gotta respect these the craft of these actors man who are just like i don't know if it's him or russ Myers saying just go for it man go for 10 you know and certain films that can hurt it but films like this where it kind of catches you off guard with how far it goes in terms of the characters acting it's really cool and i thought i think that's why i've you know when i was going through the first half of his filmography and and keep in mind i have one more film to go to, and then I'll have seen all of his feature films um, beneath the Valley of the Super, or beyond the Valley, of the, whatever it's called, the Super Vixen, or the Ultra Vixens. <laughs> Came out of the title. Um, mixing up about three different films there. Uh, it, 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 I just, I really like what he is doing in the second half. Honestly, it's his least interesting second half career film. It's probably The Seven Minutes, which is his follow up to Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. And I think this was, and it's not a bad film, but I, I think that. Um, he definitely kind of pulled it back a little bit for uh, uh, in terms of just memorability, because uh, uh, or in terms of you know it's a studio film as well. So uh, I mean I know I know Beyond the Valley of the Dolls is as well, but um, I don't know if maybe he was trying to make a more commercial film or what. I really want to read the book um, uh, Big Bosoms and Glass Jaws. I think it's what it's called or, or Square Jaws. Um, that was written in like 2000. It was written after he died, I believe. But I'm I, I, after I finish his, his next film, that's going to be the next thing I'm going to read because I'm I'm really interested in getting the insights on some of these on some of the productions on his films because uh, he's just such an interesting guy and the career trajectory he got. I mean, he only did one more film uh, in 70. Um, I don't know what year it came out. I think it may have been 79. Um, and then from there, he was just done. I think he did some other stuff after a couple like documentaries or something uh, uh, or shorts. Or But I, I, I haven't really dived into any of that because a lot of the stuff, I don't really know how available it is. But uh, because it kind of made him one of a kind, man, aside from the women that he casted that made it, that with their physicality that made it so unique to him where you see some of those women and, and you know, you, you know he cast them because of their physicality. Um that's obviously an, an, an attribute there, but I think some of the way the characters act and some of these sequences, some of the violence is very him, um, more so in this part of his career than in, than in something like Faster Pussycat or, or where, it, I mean, I guess they have that as well. They have like some of like the big muscular guys, but they're not acting as crazy as, as they are in like, you know, Super Vixens and Up. Um, so that's why I'm really interested to see to see his uh, final film, but yeah, I, I really dig this part of his career, and he's kind of won me over for a while. I was just kind of like, oh, man, I don't really know about some of these films, man. I, I don't, I, I respect the guy. I, I never, never didn't respect the guy. He's done a lot for exploitation films, done a lot for uh, uh, kind of women's portrayal, uh, uh, kind of taking in, in films. I know you can say a lot about you know how Russ Meyer, you know you getting these women for their physicality, but I think in a way the majority of his films are female-led. So yeah, their physicality is something, but it's also like a lot of these films where you kind of take control 
back. I mean, Fast and Pussycat especially is really about this girl gang who are really kind of taking control of the situation. And, you know, you can really look into a lot of that stuff there in terms of, uh, you know, political and political background of the times and stuff. Or you can just look at it the way I do more so about just kind of the entertainment value. I mean, I'm not denying the the societal kind of uh, representation in the film in terms of um, the, I, what I think is empowerment to a lot of the a lot of the actors of the time. But, you know, in a way of just like, hey, man, you got these beautiful girls and you got these these wild moments and they're they're there to entertain man and i think that's what makes kind of a lot of these films really uh really special in a way but uh yeah like i said with super vixens and the rest of his filmography aside from beyond the valley of the dolls and, and maybe the seven minutes i don't really know the availability on that but i assume it's probably readily available because it's a fox title um but yeah these films you gotta you gotta you gotta watch some of these online. You gotta watch, I think, almost all of these online. They're not readily available. You gotta do some. You gotta go online and look them up, and that's how what I've had to do. And some of them have been on YouTube, um, but this one uh, is a little more soft core, so you're not gonna find it on YouTube. But um, what did I just watch? Oh, that's right. I watched. Um, I think it was bar- yeah, barbed wire dolls from Jess Franco, and that's a, that was a film where you know you're watching. It has these really just really bizarre uh, uh, close-ups of like explicit female nudity, and you're just like it's just like it's them zooming in, and it's just a, it's, you're watching. You're like, what? Who is this film made for, man? <laughs> yeah, barbed wire dolls. I guess I probably could have talked about that as well, but that's not a great film. But gosh, man, that's a sleazy ass film, man. If you get a chance to see barbed wire dolls, man, do yourself a favor and, and oh, jeez, at least that is a crazy film with a crazy the ending that ending came and i'm just like man what <laughs> what that's the way you're gonna end the film jeez louise man but uh gosh yeah just frankly i told the conversation right there but really really dug this film man actually the more i talk about it i think the more i like it i might like it more the super vixens i don't know i mean it, it's up there and i'm not gonna do any sort of ranking on his films when i'm done i i'm kind of been ranking them as i've gone along on letterboxd so if you're kind of curious about what I, how i feel about certain films you can go on my letterboxd um under Dan the cameraman and see what I'm uh see how I rank them there but uh yeah real cool film <laughs> so yeah there's those man uh all right I got about five minutes left I guess I'll wrap it up with some talk here you know what I have time for one more one more that uh I watched I've seen twice now and I won't get too in-depth into because I don't really have as much to say about it but a little while ago I talked about Vortex the new Gaspar Noe film uh and I just recently picked up the Yellow Veil Blu-ray of Lux Eterna, which is also available in the UK from Arrow. And I think if you're trying to, if you're not a Vinegar Syndrome uh, subscriber, I'd probably recommend getting the Arrow UK release for the sole reason that it's going to be cheaper because I was able to get this uh, discounted, but I do think it's a little pricey for what's essentially a short film. Um, and I mean, the packaging is great and all that, but ultimately you kind of have to weigh your options of what you can spend on entertainment. And I think if I wasn't the Vinegar Syndrome subscriber and got discounts, I would not have picked this up from them. But this was a film that got, I think, a lot of talk. It came out, it was filmed a couple years ago, I believe, but it just came out either this year or last year, uh, I played at festivals and then finally got a release, um, here this year. Um, and this was just, this is a really cool film, man. I, I've read mostly positive things, man, some mixed things, people saying that it's not that great, but I think this is a, what, what, one of the things that Noe does best. He's really good at making anxious situations where we're on the set of this film and, um, it's sort of like the, it starts off with actually, I think was one of my probably, uh, one of my favorite sequences in a Gaspar Noe film, and I don't know how improvised or I don't know. I imagine it's probably more scripted. I mean, it feels a little more improvised because it feels um, 
a little more uh, honest uh, in terms of just the, the way the actors interact. But um, in the film, uh, let me actually pull it up here so I can get everything right. So you have um, uh, the main two actors of, of Charlotte Gainsbourg and B.A. Chris Dolly, and, and there's just a really good conversation between them back and forth. You know, I really like that. And then what it goes into is this escalation of, of everyone being kind of uh, disorganized. They're making this film, but um, there's a lot of tension. People are yelling at each other. Um, uh, Carl Gol- Carl Glusman, or Glusman from uh, Gaspar Noy's Love shows up in a really great role. He plays like a kind of a, a kind of a, a douchey kind of L.A. filmmaker who's trying to get Charlotte Gainsbourg in his film, but she's like, I'm busy, leave me alone. Uh, I really liked doing the film, and Abby Lee has been in a bunch of stuff. She was in, like, Mad Max Fury Road and The Neon Demon. Uh, two films I like a lot. Uh, she's in the film, and, and just, you, you get you get the feeling, that she's, like, not, she's, like, I, I no one said I had to be nude, I, I want to get paid more for this, and it feels like, like, it just feels, it, it, it builds up and up and up, and then the whole part that everyone will kind of remember more so, I think, which may or may not be a positive or a negative in terms of overshadowing the rest of the film, is the last, like, 10 minutes. I, I, it feels like 10, 15 minutes. It, it escalates in a, in a, just an insane, strobing, just colors flashing. And this is a film that 1,000% has to be watched in darkness. Put your phone down. Put your goddamn Game Boy down. Do not be... Don't watch this on an afternoon. you got to shut the shades, cover all the lights... Because I have never had a feeling where I, I watched this in my room, man, and the film room, and I truly felt like I texted my, my buddy after who had seen this before me, and I told him my immediate reaction was I, I feel like I just got sucked into the film. You, you just watch a screen, and it is completely just hardcore, just flashing, man. It is insane. I, I, I heard people talk about it, and I'm like, it's probably not that bad. They're probably overstating this on the theater, which I, I imagine would be great in the theater. But, yeah, man, it's just I've seen this twice now, so I had to watch it again because it was just such a ride, man. I really, really, really dug this film. Um, and it feels in a lot of ways like a setup for Vortex because this is also split-screen as well at times. I don't remember if the whole thing was split-screen or not. I think most of it was. I don't exactly remember. But it feels kind of like testing it out, and, and it works fantastically in Vortex, which I mentioned before. But, um this feels like a setup for that, but real cool film, man. Uh, yeah, check this one out. I really, really like this film, man. It's, it's a real good time. Uh, great performances uh, from everyone. Beatrice Dolly, uh, Abby Lee, Charlotte Gainsbourg, uh, Felix Maritado, I hadn't mentioned a whole lot, Carl Klusman. Uh, really cool film, man. Uh, I just, Gaspar Noyes is one of the most interesting uh, 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 filmmakers just working. Really, really great stuff. But that's it, man. What is this, 24? All right, man, 24. I'm going to finish off this can of seltzer water. Hope you guys have a fantastic week, weekend, all that good stuff. Work on your art, man. Get that done. You're not getting any younger. Uh, I know I'm not. So, all right, man. Come back next time, man. Cheers.